You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, August 23rd, 2021. I'm Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I'll be updating you about CSU's new proposed federal agency and give you an update on police brutality cases in campus and local news. After that, Dixon Lawson will update us on CSU's athletics, and then you'll be hearing a conversation between myself and Rachel Pastor about the Breakthrough Fitness Festival, which is happening this Friday evening. Then, Coda explains new updates on vaccine mandates and COVID-19 statistics locally and nationwide. Then we'll be hearing from TX2 about his music before Coda explains how flooding devastated Tennessee this weekend. I give some updates on Apple's business practices and the OnlyFans ban on sexually explicit content. To conclude the show, I'll be telling you about the weirdest stories I've found recently. Let's move right into campus and local news. Hello, this is Ivy Winfrey, and this is your local and campus news for today. Starting off with campus news, a group of Colorado State University researchers have proposed the United States federal government should create a government agency focused entirely on climate research, and this proposal has been reflected in a recent U.S. budget proposal. According to Ann Manning at CSU Source, the faculty group, a CSU institute leadership group from multiple colleges and departments, have dubbed their proposed new agency ARPA-C, or the Advanced Research Projects Agency Climate. Working off a similar model first implemented by the U.S. Department of Defense and later the U.S. Department of Energy, the agency would be necessary for solving climate-related problems, and the mission of this hypothetical agency would place issues of culture and equity front and center alongside new science and technologies. The researchers described their vision for ARPA-C in a commentary piece published by the American Geophysical Union journal Earth's Future. The authors are Lynn Badia, assistant professor in the Department of English, Josie Plout, associate director of CSU's Institute for Built Environment, Joseph Von Fischer, professor in the Department of Biology, John Vulcans, professor of in the Department of Mechanical Engineering, in the School of Biomedical Engineering, and Jeff Mose, Associate Director for Programs and Initiatives at CSU's Energy Institute. Von Fischer says that, quote, the technologies that humans have innovated are deeply interwoven with culture. If we try to fix climate change with a new widget, we ignore all the features of climate change that are not strictly about technology, but are really about human behavior, culture, economics, and society, end quote. In the spring of 2020, the faculty group went to Bill Ritter, former governor of Colorado and the director for the Center of New Energy Economy at CSU, and convinced him to help them get the idea in front of the Biden campaign team prior to his election. In 2021, members of the White House climate director Gina McCarthy's office requested the CSU's team's then pre-published paper on ARPA-C. Soon after, McCarthy announced ARPA-C as a part of a... Uh, uh, as a part of President Biden's budget proposal that was delivered to Congress. Whether the agency is proposed will be funded in the final congressional budget is yet to be seen. CSU and the city of Fort Collins are moving forward on the $12.5 million sale of the Hughes Stadium property. According to Molly Bohannon at the Coloradoan, the city and CSU, along with Cottonwood Lands and Farms, entered a memorandum of understanding Friday outlining the terms of sale for the Hughes land to the city, reliant on a number of separate agreements and contingencies being met. In the outlined situation, CSU would sell the land to the city for $12.5 million, only after securing a different parcel of land on which to build affordable housing for its employees, its original intention with the Hughes land. 
The stipulation introduced Cottonwood Lands and Farms into the conversation as it owns the proposed parcel of land. A 24-acre section of the 185 Strauss Lakes property in East Fort Collins. CSU plans to purchase to, uh, purchase to develop affordable housing on. The 24 acres east of the intersection of Horsetooth and Ziegler Roads would be bought by CSU for $1 million and other agreed-upon considerations and terms after the property is approved for development by the city, according to the agreement. Fort Collins interim city manager Kelly DiMartino says that, quote, I'm grateful for all the creative work that has gone in developing a pathway for agreement. We are fortunate to have community partners like CSU and Cottonwood Lands and Farms owner Bill McDowell. Not only does this plan create a framework for us to honor the will of our voters to purchase and conserve the Hughes site, but it also gives CSU the opportunity to make progress on our shared affordable housing priorities in another part of the community, end quote. The sale of the Hughes land to the city is contingent on Cottonwood Lands and Farms sale and development going through Fort Collins' development review process, including community engagement. Cottonwood is expected to submit applications for the land plan, zoning, and other changes prior to CSU buying the parcel. If the sales of Hughes and the portion of the Strauss Lakes property aren't made final by December 31, 2022, any party can withdraw from the agreement. CSU and Fort Collins have been awarded a combined nearly $2 million for street repairs by the state of Colorado. According to Miles Bloomhart at the Coloradoan, the projects were two of 16 funded by $22 million from the Colorado Department of Transportation's Revitalizing Main Streets program. The city received more than $1.4 million for its Laporte Avenue Improvements Project. That project, along with LaPorte Avenue from Fishbeck Avenue to Sunset Street in northwest Fort Collins, is meant to improve safety by replacing deficient sidewalks, upgrading the roadway with curbs and gutters, and adding raised bicycle lanes, a center reversible turn lane, and signaled pedestrian crossing. CSU received over $580,000 to keep pedestrians and cyclists separated on its Center Bikeway and Mountain Loop Trail on campus, as well as to improve safety at intersections of these heavily congested bicycle and pedestrian corridors. That's all I have for local news. Moving on... That's, that's all I have for campus news. Moving on to local news... The former Loveland police officer charged with the assault of Karen Garner faced the court on August 19th for a preliminary hearing into his case. According to Molly Bohannon and Sadie Swanson at the Coloradoan, former Loveland police officer Austin Hopp was charged with second-degree assault causing serious bodily injury, attempting to influence a public servant in official misconduct for how he handled the June 2020 arrest of Karen Garner. Garner, 73 years old, had dementia and sensory aphasia prior to the incident. She suffered a broken arm, broken shoulder, and other injuries while being arrested by the Loveland police, who were called after she left a Walmart with $14 worth of merchandise she hadn't paid for. During the court hearing, evidence was presented, but a decision was not about moving the case forward was not made. Assistant District Attorney Matt Marillo... <laughs> interviewed two witnesses and entered multiple videos into his evidence showing Hop's interactions with Garner last June and discussion with colleagues afterwards. The two witnesses, both Fort Collins Police Services detectives serving as the leads of the Critical Incident Response Team investigation, testified in detail about the findings of their investigation, training processes for officers, and standard use of police force regarding holding methods. Both detectives, Kelsey Scar and Justin Butler, said they had never seen a hold used by an officer like the one Hop used when restraining Garner. 
The footage reviewed and entered into evidence had previously been released to the public by Garner's lawyer, Sarah Shaikey, though those clips were sh uh, shown in the hearing. Body camera footage also showed Hop twisting Garner's arms and forcing them behind her back to take her to the ground. Footage from inside the Loveland Police Station, also released to the public by Shaikey, shows Hop, former officer Daria July, and former community service officer Tyler Blackett laughing and, joining, and joking about their use of force while Garner sat in a holding cell nearby. Marilo said in his closing statement, quote, It is your job as an officer when you arrest to be responsible. Did he know he was going to break her shoulder? I don't know. That's not our burden. Our burden is to show that he knew he was hurting her, and yes, he did. A decision is scheduled to be made out of the preliminary hearing at 11 in the morning on Monday, August 30th. The 8th Judicial Critical Incident Response Team has released a statement about the circumstances leading up to an August 16th shooting of a man by the Loveland Police Department by a Loveland Police Department officer. The Loveland Police Department released a statement August 19th identifying the officer who fired his weapon as Loveland Patrol Officer Eddie Luzen. He is on paid administrative leave pending the findings of the investigation. According to the incident response team statement, just before 7 p.m. August 16th, police were called to a home in, on Tennessee Street in Loveland after someone inside requested help with a male family member. They described him as, quote, experiencing a mental health crisis and actively damaging the home, end quote. Luzin found the man in the backyard armed with a knife when the police arrived. The statement says that, quote, a confrontation occurred during which Domina moved forward and the officer fired his duty weapon, striking the man, end quote. The news release says that when more officers arrived on scene, they secured the knife and gave aid until medical crews arrived. The man who was shot has been identified as Alexander Domina, 19, of Loveland. He remains at the medical center of the Rockies, according to the response team statement. District Attorney Gordon McLaughlin said in a, the statement that, quote, We care deeply about the accuracy and integrity of critical incident investigations. I understand that our community wants information, and I'm confident that the CIRT team's diligent and professional work will produce a report that provides a full picture of what happened and provide the transparency the community deserves, end quote. That's all the campus and local news I have for today. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. After the break, we'll be hearing about CSU athletics. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Rams Nation. I hope you've all had an amazing summer, and hopefully you're all as excited as I am for CSU Sports to be back. My name is Dixon Lawson, and this is the RMR Sports Report for the week of August 23rd, 2021. 
To start us off on Thursday, August 26th, we have women's soccer here in Fort Collins as they take on the South Dakota Coyotes at 4 p.m. If you're just arriving back to campus or this is your first time, I highly recommend checking out the women's soccer team here at CSU. You can catch all the action at 4 p.m. Following soccer on Thursday, we also have back-to-back -back volleyball games this weekend. First, on Friday, August 27th at 7 p.m., we have the home opener for the 2021 volleyball team as they take on the South Dakota Coyotes. This will also be the whiteout game, so be sure to pack Moby Arena this Friday at 7. Of course, just like all the home volleyball games, KCSU will be bringing you all the action right here on 90.5 with myself and Eliza Drotar on the call. Be sure to tune in 15 minutes early for the volleyball game pregame show. Following a late night at Moby, the Rams will be back on the court Saturday, August 28th at 2 p.m. to take on the Northwestern Wildcats. Just like the night before, you can catch all the action live starting at 1.45 p.m. with myself and Caleb Allen on the call. That wraps up the RMR Sports Report for the week of August 23rd. My name is Dixon Lawson, and you've been listening to the RMR on 90.5 KCSU FM, Fort Collins. Break Free Fitness Festival returns this Friday, August 27th, for a night full of celebration and inclusive exercise. Rachel Pastor, the creator of Break Free, hosts the event to encourage people throughout their fitness journey to celebrate growth. The attendees range from newcomers to weightlifting champions, and it aims to show that fitness doesn't have one look, body type, or lifestyle. KCSU News met with Pastor to discuss her event and its goals at Washington Park in Old Town, Fort Collins, where it will be happening. Pastor works in fitness, lifestyle, and nutrition coaching after finding herself on her own fitness journey. Bathrooms, glow sticks, and more will be available to participants. Can you tell me a bit about Break Free and what makes this event different from other festivals? Wow, well the Break Free Fitness Festival was really put together to be an experience. So an experience from start to finish, from the minute you walk through the door, um, walk through those gates, we want you to be filling it right away. So you will be able to, um, you know, hands-on experience, whether it's getting acupuncture right there, getting, you know, getting a massage right there, getting chiropractic work right there. Gyms actually have their studio set up, so you'll be able to actually do their workouts and they'll be offering shorter uh, versions of those so you can really get a taste of what it's like. Whereas, you know, if it's thinking about going to a cycle bar class, for example, sometimes that's intimidating to people because they don't know what they're getting into. They don't know how hard it's going to be. And also they don't, maybe they don't know anybody there. So you come to this festival with your friends and you're able to experience these 10 to 15 minute workouts, have a good time. And then as well, we always have the stage going on. The stage is really the centerpiece of the event, but, um, what really separates us apart is all the experiences that are happening around and on the stage. Can you explain why it was important for you to include a body positive message within this festival as well as have a more lenient dress code? Yeah, so a huge part of this festival is yes, if you're into fitness, that's great. I want you to come. But this festival was created from my own transformation and that was, I wasn't the fitness person. In fact, the first time somebody invited me to the gym, I was like, yeah, like, why do people even do that? You know, I wasn't <laughs> into it at all. Um, but I really, it, it really helped me in a lot of ways. I created great friendships through it. Um, and it just feels good to move your body, which I love that about the festival because, you know, you're going to be able to dance with the fitness marshal or you can go see a, a, a weightlifting competition, people throwing around weight. Um, you could do kickboxing. There's all different types of things to do and fitness is not just one thing 
and anybody is welcome to it. It is available to anybody and I want people to know that. As far as what you're going to wear, I mean, I know some people are, you know, they're going to wear their workout clothes. I'll be wearing workout clothes. I know other people are going to be in straight up festival gear. I mean, I've seen they're wearing fairy wings and they're going to be all glittered up. What should all attendees really know before they buy their ticket and head over? What you should really know is be ready to have a lot of fun and experience whatever you want to experience in whichever way you want to experience it. So um, if you're planning on working out a lot, come ready to work out. Bring your yoga mat, you know, be ready to do that. Um, but you also can come and enjoy the food and the booze and, you know, just take a part of the experiences going on around you. Can you tell me a little bit about the atmosphere of the event in past years and how it's going to be different this year? So this year we brought a party twist. This year we are bringing, we're flying in a DJ from California. He sells out uh, Las Vegas and New York all the time, DJ Capslap. And we're gonna be doing a glow in the dark dance party. We're gonna have glow tents. You're gonna be able to get updos, get glow sticks in your hair. We're gonna be giving them out. We're gonna have really that party scene. And uh, it's, you know, that's why we're calling it a fitness festival with a party twist. Definitely. And then if someone's interested in sponsoring or volunteering with Break Free, where can they find information, especially since freshmen are coming in and students who might not have been able to really be involved in the city last year now have the opportunity and are looking for those? Yeah, so you'll want to go to fitnessfestivalevents.com and you're going to want to look under uh, the tab of to get involved. Awesome. And then what amenities are going to be available at the festival for festival goers? We have a ton of food. We have uh, drinks, we have alcoholic and, and non-alcoholic beverages. Uh, we will have places where you can rent out a yoga mat. Actually, they're just going to loan it out. You don't even need to rent it. And um, we will have everything to keep every, everybody safe. We're going to have all the precautions, hand washing stations, um, so, you know, for people to really be able to sanitize. And then how should attendees plan to arrive as it's being held in Old Town where parking can be limited? If you're up for it, ride your bike. That's a great way to go about it. Uh, there is the um, bus line that comes into a downtown area. Or park in the garage, ride with friends. Always a way to get down here. Awesome. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about this Break Free Fitness Festival and it coming back after a year of not happening? That we are really bringing it this year and we are so excited for people to really just let go, have a great time, we wanted this to come back this year. People need this. People want to connect. People want to have these experiences. And I know it's something that people have been craving. And if that is you, then come on down. We want you to have this. For more information on Rachel Pastor and her fitness journey, you can visit her Instagram at rachel.pastor. That's R-A-C-H-E-L dot P-A-S-T-O-R. You can also find more information on the festival at fitnessfestivalevents.com. And on there, you can find information about rules, safety and security, parking options, how to get involved, and some frequently asked questions. The event offers general admission, junior general admission, VIP and VIP meet and greet tickets. And there will be ATMs and event merchandise, as well as restrooms and water stations available at the event. Additionally, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages will be served and all sales of alcoholic beverages will be benefiting Women Give of United Way. Dogs, alcohol, illegal drugs, weapons, glass bottles, fireworks, umbrellas, 
Large backpacks, coolers, skateboards, and scooters are all prohibited at the event, and smoking of any kind, whether cigarettes or marijuana, are prohibited at the fitness festival and in the downtown Fort Collins area. This could result in a citation from the Fort Collins Police Services. Filming and recording are also not allowed at the event. However, photography is allowed and encouraged. Again, that website was fitnessfestivalevents.com, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Coda Babcock, and once again, if you missed any part of our show or just want to listen to this interview, check us out at kcsufm.com news, or on Spotify by searching KCSU FM. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is COVID-19 Updates. Colorado State University recommends the COVID-19 vaccine for all students attending the university. For students who intended to wait for FDA approval to receive the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine is now FDA approved and available to all students through local healthcare providers. Unvaccinated students must get two COVID tests per week through the university. Over the weekend, three faculty and staff members tested positive for COVID-19 along with one student. Since May of 2020, over 3,300 cases of COVID-19 have been reported at Colorado State University. While on campus, students need to wear masks inside all buildings, except for when eating or drinking. Buildings are at full capacity, meaning that students can expect to sit much closer to students than last semester. Larimer County reports a high COVID-19 risk score, with the CDC reporting a high level of community transmission in the county. 58 COVID-19 patients currently receive treatment in local hospitals, and ICUs are filling up with their current utilization percentage at 91%. Larimer County reports over 30,000 cumulative cases of COVID-19 and over 250 deaths due to the virus. Over 412,000 vaccines have been administered in Larimer County, meaning that two in three residents are fully vaccinated. Face masks are not required in Larimer County for vaccinated individuals, but are still recommended. On a statewide level, over 3.2 Coloradans are fully vaccinated. Nearly 600,000 cumulative cases of COVID-19 in Colorado are reported, along with over 7,300 total deaths. In the United States, 37.7 million total cases have been reported, along with over 628,000 deaths. Deaths are seeing a nearly 100% increase in the past two weeks, while cases increased by over 36,000 in the past two weeks. Information comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and National Public Radio's Coronavirus Tracker. That's all for COVID-19 updates. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
I'm Ben Kruger from 90.5, and this is another episode of the KCSU Music Podcast. On today's show, we have TX2 in the studio. TX2 is a punk, rock, and rap musician uh, based in Fort Collins and Miami. TX2 is a producer, writer, and performer who is playing the Aggie Theater in Fort Collins for the first time in July of 2021 uh, with Fort Collins dance pop artist Taro. One of TX2's first hits, Make You Bleed, came out in late 2020. Before we hear from TX2, here's their single, Make You Bleed. Remember me? Probably not. Your memories are probably gone. When interacted in a fashion, like a passion, you called me for how I would talk. Four years of laughing it off. Masking that I was distraught Shoved into all of the lockers I'm cursed Brought back from the dead Bring it back, I burn I've turned Don't make you pay all your debts You kick me on the way to the ground Spit on my face when I'm down Sure you deserve what is coming If I was you, I'd start running Cause I'm gonna make you Pay for all of my Scars one day I'll make you bleed While you're forming Joke to us was pistol smoke. Punch our guts and rip our coats. Covered up with giggle jokes. Keep whispering to your friends. All of the rumors will end when my hand reaches out at the grave. All you kids better behave. Cause now I'm stitched back together while you're falling apart. And I smell like in this weather. I've got worms in my heart. Look me dead in the eyes. I'm the monster you despise. You made me who I am today. And now I'm gonna make you pay. I'm gonna make you pay for all of my scars One day I'll make you bleed While you're forming neglects with our popular chicks Enjoy the fun while you still can't breathe TX2. How are you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. How'd you get into that whole punk scene? Um, well, that's something I've always been raised with. Um, you know, I don't know if you consider them punk, but uh, one of the first ever albums I listened to was The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance, um, which I, I love the emo music, the punk rock emo music. It's my thing. Um, so my second album was American Idiot by Green Day. Uh, so with that being said, I always had punk in my blood. Um, I started as a drummer, actually, at five, when I was five years old, 
And then in middle school, I ended up playing in a band with my older brother. We were gigging around um, Fort Collins, and we played, uh, actually, we played the Colorado Eagles Stadium when I was in middle school, um, which is crazy for me. Uh, but then, because everyone was older in the band, um, they all decided to go on with their lives. Uh, but I wanted to keep playing music, uh, and I realized rapping is like drumming with words. So I started becoming a rapper, and that way I didn't have to deal with a band. And then, that being said, I realized that punk rock's in my blood, so I needed to mix punk rock with rap, and then that's how this sound was created. Totally. And how did you, uh, how'd you get into rap? So I had always been listening to rap growing up, too. Uh, I really like old-school rap. I'm a Biggie Smalls fan, a uh, Tupac fan, uh, Wu-Tang Clan, uh, even a Tribe Called Quest, and Nas. Um, and, uh... There was, but it was like a side thing for me. And when I started rapping, I think that um, I obviously I figured out it was just drumming with words. It was just the rhythm of that. Um, but you know, I always had this like rock in me too, where I was like, rapping feels inauthentic if I were to just be a rapper. So I had to mix punk rock with it to to be authentic. Because one of my mentors, um, Tyler Lindgren, a really good friend of mine, um, he had told me the biggest thing my music was missing was authenticity. So I wanted to keep that real and play for my heart. Exactly. And uh, wh what inspired Make You Bleed? So Make You Bleed. Uh, wow. Long story. In high school, um, when I started making music, I was like a SoundCloud rapper. And a lot of people made fun of me for that. It was really bad, actually. I was called the, the F word um, multiple times a day. Uh, I would have physical bullying. Uh, I'd actually have gum thrown in my hair uh, during classes. Um, and teachers would never do anything about it. Um, so I had this like pent up rage for bullies in the, my school because no one ever stood up for me. Uh, and with that being said, um, I ended up wanting to create a concept album when I moved out to uh, Miami, similar to the Black Parade. Uh, so one big story front to back. And uh, part of this story, well, kind of like the general synopsis for the story is that there's a kid who gets bullied um, and then the bullies end up pulling a prank on him, which results in an accident. He ends up dying, but then he comes back from the dead and he seeks his revenge on the bullies. So the song Make You Bleed, a lot of people think it's like about my life. I took, to keep it authentic, you know, I took experiences from my bullying and put the energy there. But I mean, the story of Make You Bleed is from the concept album where this kid's getting his revenge on the bullies who had like accidentally killed him. Dang, that, yeah. that, that's, that's pretty heavy, pretty authentic stuff though, for sure. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. I saw that you made a music video for it as well, uh, yeah. and it's pretty fun, kind of like gives off some Purge vibes, right. kind of with the masks, because uh, it's masked with these big LED lights, um, yeah. and people tied up. How was that experience, and how was making that video? It was actually really cool. I worked with a bunch of CSU TV. I don't know if it's called CSU TV. I'm so sorry ahead of time. Uh, yeah, CTV. CTV, yeah, cool. Um, I worked with several kids uh, from CTV, uh, Hattie Williams being one of them, and she directed the music video. Um, and it was it was it was sweet. The, these the, they were so motivated. They were so energetic about working with me. And it was it was like an incredible experience front to back. Smooth shooting took a day, like only a few hours. We like were ahead of schedule, um, and we just wanted to uh, you know bring that vision I had of this concept album of this bullying like the bully or sorry the the, the kid uh, capturing his bullies and then you know planning his revenge on them. Totally, and that that's great that you're you're bringing out this really authentic punk music. Thank um, you. So basically, uh, this next song, this next single that we're having that we're gonna play is called "Pull the Plug." Yes. Uh, do you do you want to give a little bit of a background right before we hop into it? Sure. Um, a little bit about "Pull the Plug." Uh, basically, uh, the, unfortunately, that concept album will probably never see the light of the day. Um, I had uh, you know someone I considered a really good friend uh, ended up you know kind of stabbing me in the back and uh 
running away with all the files for that album and, you know, not not being fair about it. So with that being said, uh, I decided, you know, I never really needed him. And once again, TX2 is me. So I ended up playing the drums, the bass, and writing the song front to back by myself. Um, and then I ended up getting a really incredible person named Joey Barba, who's a producer, uh, to get on this track as well. Um, and he believes in me, and I love that man to death because he made this, he made this song incredible too. Uh, but that being said, I wanted to prove a point that A, I could write a song by myself. And then the last thing... Uh, well, with Joey too, but that's separate. He's a producer, and I love him. Uh, but also, um, I was at a really low place when I wrote the song because of everything that was happening with my friend. So I figured I could write a song about you know being at a low place, and hopefully, people who are also there can realize they're not alone. Perfect. Up next, pull the plug by TX2. Enjoy. Oh, hey, I'm just an average kid. Okay, I may have exaggerated. I'm half part sick in the brain. So I sedate, but you never know I'm fake. Cause my smile covers my fangs and I'm violently restrained. Fine, finally I can't unwind. Smile and wave, but they're sublime. I fucking hate myself. I tried to end it all. Never mind. Tried met then all, but never died. Pretty eyes was energized. Young and wise, I never guessed to die. Always feel irrelevant. Stuck inside my head again. I'm never enough. But nobody can see it. Since he was 10, I've seen him laugh and make amends He'll never crash, his story never ends That's where you're wrong, just hear the lyrics of my songs It's clear I'm twisted and I long for somber moments I'm a bomb, I'm intoxicated, sober With thoughts of hatred over Analyze my actions, fading closer Never will be tasted cause I Always feel irrelevant, stuck inside my head again I'm never enough But nobody can see it cause I'm a That was Pull the Plug by TX2. You you not talked about how this is a like a really cathartic song for you to create and get out. Right. Yeah, no, um I'm I'm super excited to release it. I actually have teased the song on TikTok uh several times and every time I have, it's it's gone like well at least a few of the times it's gone viral. Um one of them being it got like four hundred and fifty thousand views. Um and we've we've gotten over a thousand pre saves right now on the song. So I, I have a feeling it might pop. And we'll be releasing this right before the Aggie show, which is super exciting. 
but have you played a lot of live shows before and what's your history with live shows? Yeah. So, um, like I had said in middle school, I had been playing with a band uh, and we played around uh, Fort Collins, like Avogadro's number was like our go-to. And that was with my older brother. Um, we actually played the Greeley Stampede too. Um, we played the Colorado Eagles. Um, and then, then after that, when I started rapping, um, I played my first show in Denver. Interestingly enough, I got booed off stage um, my first show in Denver uh, because I didn't I didn't really take myself seriously enough. And once again, all of this, like the booing, the bullying, everything was like a turning point for me because I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to go hard and I need to make it happen. So uh, I started gigging in Fort Collins and the downtown artery used to be my go-to. I used to play shows there like once every few months. Um, and then it was just always, every time I'd play, it would get like get bigger like the last show I played before I left for Miami we almost sold out the venue which was like crazy you know I got to crowd surf which I've always wanted to do it was so fun that's amazing how was your shows let's start there uh how are my shows yeah yeah so is it just you or do you have a do you bring on a whole crew so I used to play with a backtrack a drummer uh maybe a guitarist at me but at this point I think we're gonna play all live um so we got a guitarist we have a drummer uh, we have a bass player. We have me. Um, they all sing like background vocals too. They like it's gonna be a thick mix. It's gonna be crazy. I, I, when I'm performing, look like I am on drugs because I am crazy. I'm jumping all over the stage. I'm running everywhere. I'm like uncontrollable, and uh, that's my that's the energy I love. So if you're looking for like an energetic time where you're like looking to go crazy, this would be the place. Totally. And so one more big question is what what have you been up to recently? Is there anything exciting? Yeah, so we will be releasing Pull the Plug right before the show. Um, and I think, that I'm, like I said, I think this might pop. Um, then we're playing the show. Then I'm actually playing Taste of Fort Collins right after uh, the same uh, Night of Spin Doctors uh, and several other dope local bands. And then we have more releases planned. Um, and then everything has just been revolving around TikTok mainly. Uh, I've been creating like a lot of like emo content, which like has somehow really resonated with people. And I've been building fans and a following um, from that. And uh, the other thing with that is I'm trying to start a movement. Like I've got, and, and, and I, I kind of have, like I've gotten a lot of people together who are behind not only this music, but the message of my music, which is that when you're at a low place, you are not alone. Um, and so it's really cool that I've created like a big discord of, uh, we're over a hundred people now who are all taking care of each other um, and who are all like, like behind this music um, because of how they feel. Like, like people who are at low places who want, A, want to take care of each other, um, and B who realized that, you know, the most important thing about my music, like, why do I write sad music is because like people feel that way and people need to know that others feel that way. Me included. I've been at a lot of lows in my life and it's cool that other people can feel that way. So the main thing is I'm just trying to start a movement. Um, and if I have a platform for music, I want to use it for good. Exactly. And it's very noble and very awesome that you're doing that. Best of luck on your shows and everything that you have going on in your future. Thank and you, man. Hopefully, we'll have you back soon. I can't wait to be back. I appreciate you for your time today, and thank you all. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Kota Babcock, and this is National News Updates for August 24th. 22 people were found dead following severe flooding in Tennessee. According to the Associated Press, many people remain missing following the floods. Homes and roads were washed away by the rain, with emergency rescue teams continuing to search for missing people. 17 inches of rain flooded central Tennessee in rural areas Saturday in under 24 hours. 
U.S. President Joe Biden responded to the devastation in a news conference discussing Tropical Storm Henry in New England, wishing survivors his condolences. Telephone and internet lines were also taken out by the storm. Victims of the flooding include twin toddlers and a local sheriff's best friend, among others. Following Monday's Food and Drug Administration approval of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, the Pentagon is preparing to mandate vaccines for active duty troops. According to Daniel E. Slotnick and Helene Cooper from the New York Times, this move paves the way for public schools, hospitals, and corporate employees to require vaccines. The American Lung Association partnered with the American the American Hospital Association, and the American Nurse Association to make a statement praising the Pentagon's actions. In their statement, the group said, quote, With millions of data points on the vaccine's safety and efficacy over nearly nine months of vaccinations, every I is dotted and every T is crossed, end quote. State University of New York and City University of New York colleges began to uh, also began their vaccine mandate with the news from the FDA, with 45 days to get vaccinated before students will be withdrawn from classes. U.S. Capitol Police announced Monday that the unnamed officer who killed a rioter during the January 6th Capitol insurrection will not be disciplined. According to Elena Wise at National Public Radio, the department claims the officer was acting within the department's policies for use of force when they shot Ashley Babbitt. In a statement from the department, they said, quote, After interviewing multiple witnesses and reviewing all the available evidence, including video and radio calls, the United States Capitol Police has completed the internal investigation into the fatal shooting of Miss Ashley Babbitt, which occurred in the Speaker's lobby on January 6th, end quote. That's all for national news. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU Fort Collins, 90.5 FM. And we'll be right back. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is Tech News for the Rocky Mountain Review. New regulations related to cryptocurrency are in the works. According to David Gura from National Public Radio, this new crackdown is likely because of how difficult cryptocurrency transactions are to track, especially when this involves theft and ransom payments. As Bitcoin and similar cryptocurrencies have been attractive to newer investors, creating these new regulations additionally can protect them from bad actors within cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency relations or regulations previously fell behind due to a rapidly developing market. Payment-based subscription site OnlyFans is preparing to ban sexually explicit content. According to the BBC, the ban on the site begins on October 1st. OnlyFans is best known for explicit content, but creators are also known to post exercise and cooking videos. OnlyFans receives 20% of all payments made to creators in exchange for hosting the content and became increasingly popular during the COVID-19 pandemic. An informal survey given to Apple employees suggests a 6% wage gap between men and women. According to Zoe Schiffer and Mitchell Clark at The Verge, this follows the general trend in San Francisco's wage gap. Only 2,000 out of around 147 employees of Apple responded to the survey, but these results still counter Apple's claim that they've solved pay equity issues in their company. Some members of Apple's team intend to present the results of the study to Apple's people team to discuss solutions. The study also identified that there are significantly fewer non-men and non-white people in higher-paid senior roles. That's all for Tech News. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Next up is Weird News. Hello, 
My name is Ivy Winfrey, and sometimes things need to get a little bit weird. So here's a few of the weirdest stories I've found from around the world. A temporary restraining order has been filed against the company responsible for creating McDonald's ice cream machines as a part of a long-running battle concerning the right to repair said machines. According to Matthew Galt at Vice Magazine, McDonald's McFlurry machines are notorious for being broken or unavailable due to their need to be completely taken apart in order to be cleaned. This often results in a break in the machine, which for a long time required a certified technician from Taylor, the company that manufactures the machines, to repair. The lawsuit first broke out when an independent company named Kitsch developed a device known as the Kitsch Solution Device that helps to diagnose problems in the machine so that McDonald's franchise owners can repair the machine themselves. Kitsch filed a lawsuit against Taylor because, according to the lawsuit, Taylor had been telling McDonald's franchisees that using Kitsch products could cause, quote, serious human injury in an attempt to maintain its monopoly on repairs of the machines. On July 30th, Kitsch won an important legal battle uh, against Taylor when a California judge issued a temporary restraining order against Taylor after Kitsch claimed that Taylor acquired a Kitsch solution device in an attempt to learn, quote, trade secret information. According to the court document, Taylor's chief operations officer admits that it sought to obtain a Kitsch device in order to evaluate and assess its potential technology-related impacts upon our soft-serve machine, such as whether the radio frequency of the Kitsch device would interfere with our software signal or whether the Kitsch device would drain the power source of our software and or cause it to malfunction, but denied that Taylor mined it for trade secrets or even need such information. However, according to the court documents, Taylor was already in the process of attempting to develop its own version of the Kitsch solution device. Now, due to the restraining order, Taylor has to return has to turn over all of its ill-gotten Kitsch solution devices within 24 hours of the court order, according to court documents. Quote, defendants must not use, copy, disclose, or otherwise make available in any way information including formula, pattern, compilation, program, device, method, technique, or process obtained by any of them. End quote. Sri Lanka has banned drunk driving for elephant riders and a new law designed to protect the well-being of ridden animals such as elephants. According to reporters at France 24 News, many rich Sri Lankans keep elephants as pets to show off their wealth. Official records show there are about 200 domesticated elephants in the South Asian nation, with a population in the wild estimated about 7,500. The new measures, written in response to widespread complaints of ill-treatment and animal cruelty, are aimed at protecting the animals' welfare and include strict regulations around working elephants, as well as mandating a daily two-and-a-half-hour bath for each creature. Sri Lankan Wildlife Protection Minister Wilamira Disayaka said in a Gazette notification that, quote, the person who owns or has custody of such elephants shall ensure that the writer is not consuming any liquor or any harmful drug while employed, end quote. The new law will require all owners to ensure that animals under their care have n new photo identity cards with a DNA stamp. Other regulations include the prohibition of baby elephants from working and a mandate that only four people may ride an elephant at a time, specifically aimed at the tourism industry. Those who violate the new law will have their elephant taken into state care and could face a three-year prison sentence. Protesters in the United Kingdom say that they will be hiding an alpaca named Geronimo among several identical alpacas in order to prevent the UK government from killing it. 
According to Jake Epstein at The Insider, Geronimo the Alpaca was sentenced to be euthanized by the UK government after testing positive for bovine tuberculosis, a highly contagious disease that results in the euthanization of thousands of livestock in the UK each year. The owner of the farm where Geronimo lives, Helen McDonald, tried and failed to halt the killing in court on Wednesday, but she was told that she had one day to kill the animal herself. McDonald claimed that Geronimo is a healthy alpaca and insisted that his test results were false positives because he was primed with a tuberculin vaccine beforehand. The UK's Department of Environment, Food, and Rural Affairs, also known as DERFA, rejected her claim. Geronimo has become a sensation in the UK, sparking a debate about whether or not the government killing is justified. High-profile animal rights activists and their demonstrators have been vocal in support against the execution. Now a group of animal rights activists, who call themselves the Alpaca Angels, have vowed to hide Geronimo among four other identical-looking alpacas, hoping that the government agents assigned to euthanize Geronimo will be unable to tell the difference between the alpacas. One supporter told The Telegraph, quote, I wouldn't be able to say which alpaca he is, would you? End quote. Durfa refused to say when its executioners will arrive to kill Geronimo, but the warrant expires on September 4th, according to a report by The Telegraph. That's all the weird news I have for today. My name is N Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. And now, for the weather. Today we experienced scorching heat with a high of 94 and a low of 59, with mostly sunny skies. Wednesday will be about the same with sunny skies, a high of 92 and a low of 61. And Thursday you can expect slightly cooler temperatures, with a high of 87 and a low of 56, with mostly cloudy skies and about a 20% chance of rain. I'm Coda Babcock, and this was your weather report for August 24th. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, Stephanie Keel, Hannah Copeland, Elliot Hutchinson, Lindsay Johnson, Maddie Erskine, Samuel Bailey, Ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time.